0: Welcome to the Waconia Pulse, a community-based podcast presented by the Smothers and Falk Realty Group, highlighting all things Waconia and the surrounding area. The Smothers and Falk Realty Group consists of licensed real estate agents in the state of Minnesota with the brokerage Remax Advantage Plus. Now, here's the Waconia Pulse.
1: Welcome to the show. We are the Smothers and Falk Realty Group, your trusted real estate guides. My name is Laura Falk, and here with me today are teammates Ben Smothers and Ann Smothers, and special guest Kristen Campbell with Organized Homes and Staging. Welcome, Kristen. We're so excited to have you on the show, and appreciate that you took some time out of your day to join us. Uh, Today, we are going to talk about what has been happening since episode five in the local real estate market with some statistics. Then we are going to talk home staging and design with Kristen, and finish up talking about buyers' love letters during this competitive market. Let's uh, start out with that market update.
2: This month, I decided to talk about the 13 county Twin City region as far as their uh, June 2020 statistics and updates. And a couple uh, numbers that I felt were kind of interesting in the time period you're looking at back. And June is kind of right after when COVID hit a couple months, and people were still trying to get things figured out. And one number that really stood out to me was the number of listings in June year over year from 2019 to 2020 was down almost 15%. It's a pretty big number um, when you think of. How many people live in the area, it's over uh, 1,300 homes different than are on the market at that point. So, thought that was interesting and on the same path, median sales price is up 6%. So, wow. that means people were willing to pay a little bit more for the homes on the market. Laura, you had a nice uh, stat I, we we briefly talked about before this regarding Waconia, can you talk to me about yeah.
1: that? Yeah. This weekend, I pulled up some stats on Waconia. In the current market, there were 15 homes that were for sale. 13 of them were existing, so two new construction to be built. But then as far as pending and active pending buyer inspection, which means that an offer is accepted, um, there are 45 homes. So uh, all in all there were 60 that were active and pending and um, 45 of those 60 were in that pending status. So just comes to show that you know when things are coming on the market, they are coming off uh, fairly quickly, and we're having this surplus of of pending listings uh, waiting to close here in the next few months, and still starving for inventory.
2: I just pulled up the Waconia numbers for June, and it's kind of on your same point. In June 2019, there was 47 homes in the market. June 2020, 22 homes were on the market, so a 53% decline, which... Is good for sellers in a way because they're still going to be able to command that higher price. Hopefully, if their home is priced right, buyers are going to be more willing to, uh, you know, during the inspection, if anything comes up, they're going to be willing to waive anything because they, they know that if they don't get it, somebody else is sitting there in the wings, waiting, ready, ready to to buy it.
1: Right, right. And interest rates are still very low and they're holding steady there, so that's keeping the buyer traffic you know, still moving and and lots of people interested in purchasing to lock in those great rates over the next 30 years. So um, multiple offers too, again, are happening in those popular price points, you know, in our area as well. So if it's priced right uh, and showing well, we're still seeing a lot of activity, right? right Away those first few days and possible multiple offers. So we'll talk a little bit later today about multiple offers as well in our third segment.
2: So now that we're halfway through the year, REMAX is a big international brand. They have their different regions, and we're part of REMAX Integra, which is kind of the Midwest, and they put out half year stats typically every year. And this being our first year as a team, we were going on month number 11 right now, and it's kind of fun to see where we stacked up to our goals before the year and year to date we have 91 sides and just around 31 million in volume so that is better than we i think anticipated yeah, going yeah. into it last year so we're we're happy with that as a team and Definitely. we placed the top 30 in both um, year-to-date commissions and sides very exciting <laughs> with those numbers yeah we would really like to uh, thank all of our clients or referral sources uh for those numbers and the the exciting year we've had. So thank you.
1: Yes. Thanks so much. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk with Kristen regarding her business and what she is seeing for design trends, staging tips, and more. And we're back. We are here with Kristen Campbell of Organized Homes and Staging. Thanks again, Kristen, for being here. Would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and your background?
3: Sure. Thanks so much for having me today. Um, My name is Kristen Campbell, and I own Organized Homes and Staging by Kristen. Um, I started my business up in April of 2010. I decided to start up a staging business after working in the corporate world, For over 17 years, as you probably recall, the economy had took a downturn at that time. I decided it was probably beneficial for me to try something new and different rather than wait it out to see if I could get back into the industry I had been in. So I decided to become certified as a home stager and redesigner. Started from there. Great. My husband and I have lived in Waconia for 16 years as of this upcoming December, and we absolutely love it here. I do a lot of my staging business in and around Waconia, Carver County area. I do specialize in occupied home staging meaning the seller is living in their home while it's on the market and my goal is to try and utilize as much as of what they already have to make the necessary transformations to get it market ready that way I'm you know I'm trying to be as cost effective for them not everybody has a budget to either rent or bring in all new furniture and decor to stage However, that doesn't mean that sometimes maybe some key pieces should be implemented such as renting, you know, maybe a dining room set or sometimes purchasing can be less expensive than renting. I always recommend new towels be purchased for bathrooms, um, you know, new or new condition, uh, decorative pillows. Current bedding, you know, that sort of thing. You can do a really nice job, in my opinion, with the decor piece without spending an
1: arm and a leg. So, I love that. I, when I talk with our sellers, too, a lot of I'm finding a lot of people think that when you work with, you know, a staging uh, situation that it's bringing all of this stuff in or buying all of these things. And I always, you know, talk about, you know, we have a great stager that does what she can with what you have you know her her primary focus is to change a layout of how you have your room if there's a more effective way that it would photograph or obviously bringing some things in and whatnot but they don't necessarily understand on the front end that it is taking what they have and and morphing that into something that's appealing and attractive with today's trends so they sigh with relief sometimes after that just because they're I think sometimes gearing up to think that they have to spend a lot of money or rent all of this extra furniture. So uh, one of the benefits of working with our group on the listing side is that we do offer a complimentary professional staging consult. Uh, This is a one to two hour room by room appointment with a stager, followed by a detailed report that they get uh, for recommendations from decluttering, rearranging furniture, painting, uh, basic repairs and more. Uh, Kristen, can you talk a little bit more about this consult and what a seller should expect? Sure.
3: When I initially schedule a consultation with somebody, you know, I advise them to expect approximately 90 minutes that I'll be in the home. And the majority of that time, I'm actually walking through the house on my own. That way, I'm a little more focused. Mm -hmm. Um, I've tried to do the walkthrough and taking my notes with the clients and i found i was easily distracted (laughs) so i'm much more focused if i do it that way i also take pictures that are for my own reference and a second glance when I'm putting the staging recap together for them, which I email following the consultation. So during the consultation, I have a discussion with the seller and I, I just kind of want to gauge how on board they are first off for staging and what their level of commitment is as far as are they going to do everything that I tell them do or do are they gonna just do a few things that is helpful for me I can kind of read people pretty easily on how much to push them versus where to give them the priorities and and try and hammer that home with them on how important those things are to do
4: do you like it when we give you a little heads up? Because many times when I'm sending somebody you know, to you or when I say I'm going to have my stage to get in touch with you, I have already gauged a little bit of how much they will do or are comfortable doing. Do you like that? Or do, or would you rather just go in with? Um, I actually really like that. It's helpful for me. Sure. And although
3: I, I still feel that I need to give them all of the sure. information and tell them what to do, But if you kind of already have had that discussion, you know, it is helpful for me. Mm -hmm. And honestly, sometimes I can push them a little bit more Mm -hmm. and maybe get them to do a little bit more than they were anticipating. I always provide them with reasons and um, sometimes statistics on why it's important that they do the things that I'm recommending. Because honestly, most People can't really have a hard time envisioning the potential of a space. So you really have to, what staging is all about is really laying out the house. How, how is a family going to use it? Meaning you want your rooms staged for their intended purpose, primarily, unless there's four or five bedrooms, maybe one could be a home office or something. But it's really important to showcase the house on how the potential buyer is going to be using it, not necessarily how the seller is currently using it.
2: Exactly. That's a great that's, point. That's one thing we have to keep in mind is us, we're all in homes all the time. We And, you know, Kristen, you're very educated on the new trends and what it takes and what people are looking for. And we have to remember that those sellers, they they don't go into other people's homes all the time. They maybe go to their friends or the family and they see what they do, but they don't know what the in-trends are and what other buyers or the majority of the buyer pool are looking for. So that's one of the main things I push and why it's important to um, have your services, services as part of our team.
1: While you were talking, Kristen, I was thinking about buyers are to envision how to use a space. It made me think of depersonalizing. I know sometimes sellers struggle with, oh, well, this is my family photo or this is our favorite art piece from this exciting, you know, trip that we went on or or something like that. And, and, you know, obviously it's important to them and, and cool, you know, maybe you like it or they like it or or whatnot, but I always stress that less is more (laughs) typically. (laughs) And just like neutralizing, you know, the space is, is what the point is so that buyers can visualize their items in the home or their family in the home, uh, versus, you know, sometimes personal- personalization is distracting, I guess, in the end. For- yeah,
3: you're exactly right. And that's what I tell people. If they have a gallery wall of family photos, it distracts people. And they'll start looking at the photos and the fam- thinking about the family that's living there rather than envisioning their own family living in the space. So it is really important to depersonalize. I can touch on a couple of other things that are really, really important from my Perspective. So today's buyers are very um, savvy. They have very, very high expectations. And even if a house isn't new, they expect it to feel like it's new. So um, fresh, new, neutral paint goes a long, long way. It can do wonders for a house. And if you are willing, To do the painting yourself, it can be very economical. They also expect key updates, typically, you know, in most houses, meaning updated countertops in the kitchen and bathrooms, updated light fixtures. The flooring should be in really good or perfect condition. Um, Luxury vinyl is very popular right now. Uh, Oftentimes, if somebody is needing to replace flooring, I will suggest they go with that if it's like on the main level because most people want kind of that wood-look floor throughout the main living space. So yeah, that's that planking pretty,
2: pretty, pretty durable, isn't it? I mean, as far as It's product.
3: very durable, yes. And, I mean, they're coming out with new products constantly and always improving upon them. I mean, they have waterproof products, they have... Pet-friendly products, mm-hmm. um, ones that like have a coating on it so your pets won't slide around and stuff. I know
2: every house is a little different, but if there's one overall like main thing that you could just tell a seller to do that is in, in maybe 95 percent of homes, what would that be? do You think?
3: I actually have two things. Okay. Um, I, that I tell people if they they can't do anything else, please deep clean and declutter. A clean house speaks volumes. It shows that it's been well-maintained. People don't want to work or walk through a dirty house. It's a
4: turnoff. Those are the most important things. Kristen, how do you deal with a house that is really ugly and you're not quite sure what to do about it? How do you break the news to the sellers? (laughs) I try and be very nice and gentle with people.
3: I certainly will never, ever, ever be, you know, flat out as honest as I'm maybe thinking inside. I can tactfully tell them that it's either dated or too worn, you know, maybe the furniture is worn or out of date, and it just is not going to appeal to today's savvy buyers. My intention is not to make people feel bad. I, I think that's actually one of my skill sets. I feel that I can mm-hmm. tactfully tell people why things should be changed.
4: Next question. Have you ever had one of those?
3: Yes. <laughs> I've, I've had more than one.
1: <laughs> yes. We talk to with sellers sometimes about, you know, do I just do a vacant home listing? Do I leave some of my stuff? Like what, what should I do? And I think sometimes people think that oh, if it's just you know like a smaller house or a or a condo or townhouse, like maybe we should just do a vacant stage and get all of our stuff out. It's not on trend or anyway, you know that kind of thing. But on the flip side, I, I feel like when you have a vacant home, you pay attention to the like minor flaws, like. You know, a rough paint job or a scratch on the wall or something like that versus the space. So then you start getting distracted by those things just because it's such a blank canvas. Some staging is is definitely more helpful than than doing that complete vacant. And there's it, help too. You don't need a like brand new couch and bringing all this stuff in. Um, there's ways to utilize existing furniture by you know making it more neutral. Um, I know you recommend some. Some fun ways to do that, like slipcovers. That's kind of one of the big ones I was thinking about over couches that are just neutral.
3: There are some easy ways to cost-effectively make some updates to your house, Um, whether it be slipcovering dated or worn furniture. Target actually has some really nice slipcovers for like 50 bucks, and they're neutral colors and... You throw one on with some new pillows and it looks really cute. So chalk painting furniture is a great way to instantly update dated or, again, maybe damaged or worn wood furniture. And then as far as artwork, artwork can be tricky because a lot of people do like to use family photos in their home as their artwork. One of the tips that I give people is to get some decorative, neutral craft paper and put that in place of maybe the family frames on the wall. And it just, you know, it removes, it depersonalizes the space and then it gives it just that needed uh, neutral
4: artwork. Mm -hmm. Hmm, I've never heard of that. That's great idea.
1: Can you share any up and coming design trends out there? We've really kind of been seeing a lot of that grayish sort of paint colors for the walls and still white kitchens, white trim. Is that around for a while? Or are they predicting a change?
3: Grayish is, I think, here to stay yeah. forever. <laughs> white kitchens do still remain the most sought after color kitchen however it is starting to trend downward slightly people are starting to crave more wood tones again or painted cabinets what continues to trend also is if you have an island painting that a different color than the rest of your cabinets gray is never going to go out it's it's uh People love the gray and white, but they are wanting some more warmth too. Another trend is pops of color in staging or brighter colors. I think especially right now with people being home so much, they're craving just a little bit more color than everything so neutral. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you have all seen the 3D accent walls they're they're kind of becoming like the thing. So a lot of people are doing them in their master suites where the bed is on the wall. So it's like taking some pieces of wood and maybe making kind of a geogra- uh, geometric mm-hmm. pattern on it and painting it all the same color. Sure. So it just adds a little interest. Uh-huh. Curved furniture still is on trend. Uh, curved sofas. Rounded tables. Bold, large light fixtures are huge right now. A lot of black and brass in those. Wallpaper or peel and stick wallpaper. I'm seeing a lot of large floral patterns like in powder rooms or bathrooms. Two home offices are becoming important (laughs) for obvious reasons. And outdoor space and i think that's just because so many people are spending a lot of time at home now so
1: and what are some of your favorite retail stores to shop for staging
3: my first go to is home goods they have a really nice selection for really great prices i usually always get pillows there greenery there like faux greenery towels i always get towels there so yeah that's my go to Target is great. Ikea is really good, especially if you might need some accent furniture. You know, their furniture is neutral and inexpensive.
1: Well, thanks so much, Kristen, for all of this great conversation and for spending some time with us. If we want to connect with you, what are some of the best ways to do so?
3: You can find my contact information at my website, which is www.organizedhomestaging.com. I am also on Facebook, Instagram, and the site Houzz, H-O-U-Z-Z.
1: Love that site. There's lots of fun things there. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great site. We'll be right back to wrap up with some buyer love letters. Thanks for listening today. We are going to conclude with some talk about buyer's love letters to sellers and whether or not it is something you should consider as a seller when you receive an offer. So what is a buyer love letter? Let's talk about this. Team, have you had a buyer write a love letter to a seller?
2: Yeah. I mean, you've seen a lot of people see on HGTV and stuff, people putting that on there that... It's a way to tell the seller a little bit more about yourself and your family as to you know what you love about the home and why it's perfect for you and all that. And I never really thought of it like this, but it makes a ton of sense now that I'm reading this that uh, maybe not so uh, ethical and legal.
1: Sure. Yeah. And we're seeing it more with multiples, too. You know, buyers are trying to find ways to stand out more so in their offer if there's lots of people they are competing against. So. I'm going to read this short article called Love Letters, Fair Housing, and the Code of Ethics uh, put out by Minnesota Realtors. Uh, Letters from buyers might close the sale but have legal perils for sellers. In a competitive seller's market, buyers' agents look for ways to help their clients get an edge over others making offers on the same property. One way to stand out from the crowd is to tug on seller's heartstrings with what are commonly called buyer love letters. Typically written by a buyer or buyer's agent, they most often provide information about the buyer's family, interests, glowing statements about the home, and why the buyer wants it. Sometimes a photo is included with the letter. These letters might help win over the sellers when offers are similar or competitive. However, the perspective of listing agents or sellers using them to help make a decision is not without risk. The primary peril is that inappropriate information from the love letters might intentionally or unintentionally influence the seller's decision on which offer to accept. Or, even if they are not used, the letters might lead some to believe that it influenced the outcome of a bidding war. While flattering comments about the home are not usually problematic, statements about the buyer's personal characteristics could be. If the seller makes a decision based on that information, they could be playing a dangerous game with fair housing laws and the Code of Ethics, Article 10. The Fair Housing Act is a federal law that protects people in need of housing from being discriminated against based on race, color, religion, national origin, disability, both mental and physical, sex, and familial status. At the state level, the Minnesota Human Rights Act formally adds to the federal protective classes, including sexual orientation, marital status, status with regard to public assistance And creed. Further, some local governments have added additional protected classes. The National Association of Realtors Code of Ethics prohibits discrimination in professional services based on race, color, religion, sex, handicap, familial status, national origin, sexual orientation, or gender identity. With all of these protected classes to consider, even the best-crafted love letter could expose the seller to personal information about the buyer that illegally biases their decision about the transaction. For instance, including a photo might show race, familial status, disability, or much more. Letters discussing whether someone is married and to whom, and whether their children would love the seller's swing set, all seem innocuous. However, if that information draws a seller to that particular buyer, then it is being used for discriminatory purposes. So... Yeah, I guess. I thinking about that. You know, a lot of the times the buyers do want to say, you know, my family and I, you know, love this location. It's close to our relatives or uh, church or you know whatnot. And then it is it is getting personal and, and kind of touching some of these uh, protected classes where where there might be a, a borderline ethical issue there. What do you guys think about? Buyer love letters. Have you thought about these things as as your buyers are maybe putting something together in an offer situation?
4: Well, I've actually had some buyers win a multiple offer situation because of the letter. Yeah. And literally never thought twice about it. I do have buyers ask me if they should include a a letter. Sometimes I'll say it probably doesn't matter. You know, if I know that there's 15 offers, I'll say, you know, you can, but it's probably going to be more about price terms. Mm -hmm. But Now that I'm reading this, there is a lot of liability Mm -hmm. for both the seller and the agent.
2: Yeah, I mean, I really haven't thought about it from this angle until reading this either. But uh, I did recently uh, come across a property that I showed and it said in the agent remarks, seller will not be reviewing any buyer's love letters. Please do not submit with the offer. I guess I didn't even think about it at the time. But now I understand that they were uh, ahead of the game.
1: Right. As a part of, of those, I mean, is it required for a seller to see that letter? Absolutely not. You, you can ask a seller if they want to view those letters when offers do come in. And if not, you know, make sure to inform the potential buyers, agents, and facilitators that those letters will not be reviewed or considered as part of the offer. So uh, just if it is sent to you uh, as a listing agent, it does not mean um, that you need to include it with the offer or you know, the seller can kind of decide that too.
4: I guess if a if a buyer says that this letter is part of the offer, you know, you do have a duty to pass that along to the seller. And um, it is an obligation, you know, for the seller to see the full offer. But again, I think if you're a listing agent, you definitely need to have your sellers consult with perhaps even an attorney if you're going to be looking at them.
2: If somebody found out the reason why a seller chose a different offer, especially if the offer they chose was lower than somebody lost out on, I think that could become a huge problem.
1: Right. As post-closing, the sale price is, you know, public information. So um, there could be a confrontation following closing with agents in multiple offers where, you know, hey, we, we came in you know, much higher than that or, or a little higher than that. What What's going on here? And I think that's where this comes into play is you know, what, what was the reasoning behind it? And, you know, if it was something about, you know, one of these protected classes, then that could be an issue.
4: When a buyer gets a property and when they move in, they, they want to tell everybody how they got it. and most likely will tell somebody that I had a love letter.
1: All right, All right. It's funny to hear them say, as love letters, you know, it's not (laughs) something that we really use, you know, verbiage-wise, I guess. It's just, you know, a personal letter or just a letter to the seller, but, I mean, it is is a love letter. They're they're telling them what they love about their house and and why it's perfect for them, and it's become more and more common, so it is something that came across our table and, and we thought was worth having a discussion about today. Something to consider on both ends, as both a buyer and as a seller. Thanks again for spending some time with us today. Check out our website at smothersfolk.com and please hit subscribe on whatever podcast source you found us on today. And we would appreciate a rating and a review. We are active on Facebook, facebook.com backslash group, And our Instagram handle is at Group. There are tons of ways to connect with us. Just reach out and let us know how we can be of help to you at this time. We are the Smothers and Falk Realty Group. Stay well and thanks for checking your pulse.
0: This has been the Waconia Pulse, a community-based podcast presented by the Smothers and Falk Realty Group, highlighting all things Waconia and the surrounding area. The Smothers and Falk Realty Group consists of licensed real estate agents in the state of Minnesota with the brokerage Remax Advantage Plus. You can find them online at smothersfalk.com, which is S-M-O-T-H-E-R-S-F-A-L-K.com. If you have a Waconia or real estate-related question or comment that you would like included on this podcast, please call 612-352-9177. Again, that's 612-352-9177. Make sure you tell us to which show you are calling to contribute, and please know that we may include your voice recording in future episodes of this podcast. The Waconia Pulse was produced by Minnesota Podcasting and recorded in their St. Paul Studios, and they can be found online at mnpodcasting.com. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the individual participants and may not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the Smothers and Falk Realty Group, Remax Advantage Plus, or Minnesota Podcasting.